welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany for the week of February 3rd, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and yes, I am surviving in the upper Midwest right now going through this polar vortex. As I'm recording this in the middle of the night, it is negative 35 degrees. So yes, it's very cold. (laughs) It's very chilly, but we get by in the Midwest with dealing with it. So I'm excited to be here warm and in one piece, and I'm going to hope that you're nice and warm and enjoying the podcast. And I'm excited that we are continuing to be on this journey and continue to go through this journey together as we are trying to put faith and science together. And I think we have a really exciting week ahead of us this week and a lot of things to dig into. But before we get into that, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidways podcast, their commentaries, and their discussions, their podcast includes Ralph Jacobson, Matt Skinner, and Caroline Lewis, who are all seminary professors at Luther Seminary. And since I'm not an ordained minister, it gives me a lot of direction to help me get some ideas on how to be able to bring this to you in a concise format. And I really enjoy my time over there. So I'd recommend checking that out if you haven't checked that out. Second of all, again, my quick shameless plug for if you have not checked out God Friend of Me on CBS, I'd highly recommend it. It's a really good show. It's worth starting at the beginning and going all the way through. And it's worth a watch. It really is. It's a very well designed show and really I think puts a very positive spin on being able to see how to walk out the Christian faith in the 21st century right now. And based off the question that we had last week, it's kind of more of a self question, but the Twitter question last week was, are you doing a body self check or self diagnostic and what does it say? And this was kind of in reference to looking at the different gifts and abilities that each of us have been given, and what does that mean? How are we utilizing that and looking at that? And it's one of those things that I realized partially due to the age that I'm at, being in my late 20s, that this is something that you can continually kind of going through and are adjusting to a lot in your 20s as you're going through these different stages of college and being on your own and trying to figure out all this stuff. But I think it's something that continues to be forever present in your life as things continue to change and being okay and accepting the change that is coming. And it comes with being a human being in this thing called life that we're in. So let's get into it this week, and I want to start with actually the first reading this week. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, and I think this is a really interesting reading in that how God is really there to hold and protect us, and it shows his loving parts of how that he has formed us in the womb and has known us and that he's he then takes you as like this is my precious child and that he has been there the whole time as we continue to grow 
The psalm this week is Psalm 71, verses 1 through 6, and this is seeing God, to me, as this protector, as this loving protector, taking care of us, making sure that he is there to rescue me and incline your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. And this crying out, knowing that he is the protector that is going to take care of me. Upon you, I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. Out of verse 6. These beautiful passages talking about this description of this ultimate protector of who God is. The second reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13, otherwise known as the love chapter that gets talked about plenty at weddings. But going through and discussing how love is this most important gift that, again, looking at the other two readings that we've had, that this is the most important thing that God can give us. That is, it's not looking to gain anything. It's patient. It's kind. It's not envious, boastful, or arrogant, or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable, or resentful, or rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And that this is this powerful thing. And I think there's also some really unique ways of looking at it coming right at the end here, starting in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now I see in the mirror dimly, but then I will see face to face. And I think this idea of that we continue to progress through the faith, and even as we become adults, there are times we don't understand fully what God is doing, but we have to remember that this is still a loving God who is trying to work with us to fulfill the mission that he has for us. Now, we'll get to the gospel reading because I feel it's such a change-up from the rest of the text, but I think there is a really unique meaning that we can pull out of this and use a nice science analogy that goes through and brings this and ties this all together. So we're continuing from where we were last week. So we're in Luke chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. And this is where, again, Jesus has just come into the temple. He has presented and talked about these things. And the crowd was happy. The crowd was in awe. And boy, do they turn on him and turn on him quickly. So he again says, today your scripture has been fulfilled in this hearing. The people then say, and I think there's some interesting debate, which was brought up in the Sermon Brainways podcast this week, that is this not Joseph's son? Is this said sarcastically? Is this said in a way that they're surprised? How do they say that? And I think it's an interesting thing to contemplate. And this is where Jesus kind of starts to go off a little bit. He says to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, do here in your hometown the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum. 
And he said to them, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And it continues talking then about Elijah and how they're going to these outcasts and not necessarily the chosen people. And that this causes then rage within the crowd that they're going to throw him off the cliff. And then the very last line, but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Which then he continues with going to Capernaum. So a very interesting and unique reading on how quickly things have turned. And for me, I stumbled across something this week on the YouTube channel SciShow that John and Hank Green help run. And Hank does most of the work on the SciShow side. But again, I will attach the video down below. I highly recommend it, especially if you're into the science stuff. It's a nice little channel that just shoots out some quick hitters couple times during the week with some science trivia and different things. It's really well done and I'd recommend checking it out. And we've used them in the past. But I thought Hank Green started this video in a really unique way and I think it's something fun to think about as we are trying to tie these scriptures together. Correlation is not equal to causation. Correlation is not equal to causation. And the thing I want to talk to you about is something that I would assume all of us have experienced, and it's going through that process of that you did some type of exercise, and you can feel what many of us would say is lactic acid forming in the muscles. And I'm here to tell you that that's not lactic acid that you're feeling in the muscles and that they're still working on figuring out exactly what that all is that you're feeling in your muscles. They know some of it, but it's not lactic acid. And I'll explain. So this phenomenon or this rumor came from Otto Maynard as he was starting to try to figure out glycosis which is a chemical reaction within cells to convert sugar or glucose into energy. And he ended up winning a Nobel for this. But one of the things that then he did was he kind of did the whole mad scientist thing and was taking frog legs and putting electricity through them and was watching them twitch and stuff as they had been disconnected from the body and long since died. And he noticed that the longer he did this, that the the less they would do that. And when they went in and were trying to figure this out, they found that there was a lot of lactate. Now, lactate is very, very similar to lactic acid. The only difference being is that there is one less proton in the formation of it. And that's going to be a key part here coming up. So Otto assumed that the cause of the muscle fatigue or not being able to twitch as much was due to the lactate 
building up. And so from further studies, and as we've studied how the body works with exercise, we have found out that when your muscles are working and after they get pretty much through the first few seconds of exercise and you burn off whatever ATP that you have within your muscles, the little energy packets, your muscles start to go through a process called muscle acidosis where it is actually lowering the pH of your muscles. They're becoming more acidic. So lactate comes in and tries to bond with some of these protons that are being released, thus then they're highly present in the area of you doing this exercise. And as they've gone through this, the important part is, is that lactate, the way that it's able to do that is because it has one less proton, it's basic, it's not acidic. So that it's wanting to naturally accept a proton instead of donating it away or getting rid of it. So that's how they figured out that this then is a different process than what had been theorized in the early 20th century and had been looked at for close to 50 years that way. So what is the soreness in your body? To be perfectly honest, we're not entirely sure the hypothesis at this point is that it's probably micro tears within your muscles and that's what you're feeling is the process body trying to go through that healing process. So why do I bring that up when I am trying to tie these scriptures together? When I look at the Old Testament reading, the first reading, the second reading, and the psalm, we get this image of what God's love is looking like and how he is trying to take care of us and how he loves us so much and how he gives us this loving parent image. We get the gospel text and we get something what many of us would assume is something very different. But I think the longer that you look at this text, the longer you really study it. It's the same type of love. The people that he is in front of is his hometown. And they have this assumption that there's almost this privilege of them that he is like them and that he is going to be doing all these different things like he did in Capernaum here. And that assumption is where the people fell off. Jesus is saying just because you assume this is the way it should be done doesn't mean that's the way it is. And that gets back to that beginning line that we had, correlation. The correlation of me being from this area is not the causation for me to suddenly just go out and be able to do all this stuff just because you guys think I should be doing this. There has to be the faith and the love already there. These people are assuming they're not loving. That's why when you get that surprise gift from a friend, it's so powerful because you don't expect it. When we expect something, there's a lot of times that we end up being disappointed because we have some expectation. These people have some expectation and Jesus is not fitting the mold of the expectation that they're expecting. He is able to work around it and he's still showing his love and affection that how much he cares about us. But he's saying, you can't put me in this box. 
How often we try putting God into a box when he is saying, I don't fit in your box. I think it's a really powerful thing to think about and to contemplate. And it's one of the things that, as a scientist, we have to be taught is trying to do multiple studies and trying not to just because there is some correlation there. That isn't necessarily the cause. That might be a happy coincidence or that there might be some other factors that are leading to that happening. That's why sometimes studies take such a long time to be able to actually produce the results because you're trying to eliminate some of those factors. Jesus is still showing his love here and he is still being the same and saying that just because I'm from here, don't just expect that I'm going to be doing these certain things. Because when we look through the rest of the gospel of Luke and a lot of these other gospels, the gifts and the miracles that Jesus does are to people who aren't expecting it. They know that he can do something, but they don't know what. And if they are expecting something, they have the faith that he can do something. There is never the expectation. There's always a faith element. And if you look here, the people are getting upset because they don't have the faith element. They're just expecting him to do. So the Twitter question of the week will be, are there places that you have put correlation and causation together when there shouldn't be? Are there places that you have put correlation and causation together where they shouldn't be? I think this is a really unique passage in showing that God's love is different than what we expect, than what we would assume. And that's the beauty, in a way, of God's love. That's also showing the power of God. I was at a tech study today, and we got into, with going through these readings, talking about the final gift that we're able to give in a lot of situations is the gift of death. The gift of death because it's able to have people reflect upon the life that you lived and hopefully where they can reflect on the good times of that life. It's a different type of love to be able to say I'm comfortable enough to know that my time here is ending and that it's okay for me to go. And I know for many of us, we're not to that point. And I know for me, I still fully intend to wake up tomorrow and be able to do work because I still see work for me to do. But it's also coming to that realization and that love of the people around me, realizing that when it is okay to let go, to know that my work here is done and be satisfied. It's hard for us at times to change our idea of what we are expecting, especially when it comes to love. And that's why sometimes tough love is hard. That's why it's sometimes why criticism is hard. That's why it's sometimes very difficult when someone says we need to change this within a business, within a company, within the church. It's hard because we come to expect this in a certain way. This is the way it's always been and this is the way it should be. And sometimes God is really calling us to shake things up, to change things up so that we can actually be dependent on him, not just expect him. To be dependent on him, not just expect him. There's a big difference there. We are dependent. And with being dependent, we know that he will be there. But when we just expect him to be, because he always is, We're putting a lot of faith in just ourselves and not really putting the faith 
in God. And for God to be able to show us all these gifts of love, we have to trust in him. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.